Today's Sunday, 28 July, 2019, and it's the eighth weekend in a row of widespread protests in Hong Kong against the government. What do protests in Hong Kong have to do with trade? Keep listening and find out. You've undoubtedly heard about all of the protests that have been going on in Hong Kong over the last few months. In fact, just over a month ago, over two million Hong Kongers turned out into the streets to protest against what they perceived to be an overstepping by the Beijing central government into the daily affairs of Hong Kong. What triggered the most recent protests? The extradition law introduced into the Legislative Council a couple of months ago. The law formally entitled the Fugitive Offenders and Mutual Legal Assistance in Criminal Matters Legislation Bill of 2019. This law enables the Hong Kong government to mutually agree with any other government the terms and conditions under which a cr criminal fugitive could be apprehended here in Hong Kong and surrendered to that government. Whilst there are some active cases between Hong Kong and Taiwan, for example, under which this law could be useful for the government, people here feared mostly that, that the central government in Beijing could use it as a reason to come and arrest people in Hong Kong for offenses that don't amount to a crime here. One example could be when it was reported that many booksellers or bookshop owners that were selling and publishing anti-China or anti-Communist Party books were so-called kidnapped or allegedly kidnapped out of Hong Kong and taken into mainland China for questioning and intimidation. It's this kind of action that I'm sure the Beijing government wants to avoid in a city it believes is under its direct governance. And it's this kind of an offense that the Hong Kong people want to avoid for offenses that don't amount to a crime in Hong Kong. And so therein lies the reason between the most recent protesters and the Hong Kong government and the central government in Beijing. This, however, is not recent. Uh, it's not limited to the, just the recent extradition law. Five years ago, the so-called Umbrella Revolution was triggered when the central government pre-selected a handful of candidates to stand for election to be chief executive of Hong Kong. Young, young Hong Kongers did not believe that to be the free and open election they'd been promised under the Sino-British Joint Declaration of 1984. Under that agreement, the, the so-called one country, two systems model was established where Hong Kong was, in, was supposedly allowed to maintain its independence and self-governance for 50 years after the 1997 handover from the UK to China. And so, allegedly, under the one country, two systems uh, principle, Hong Kong would maintain its independence through 2047. However, there have been many encroachments over the last few years at, and, and those encroachments have been picking up some speed uh, over the last few years in particular. Uh, one such encroachment is the high-speed rail link in West Kowloon, Hong Kong, which connects major cities in mainland China. Uh, there is a, about one quarter of the train station in, West, in the West Kowloon high-speed rail link, which is governed by mainland China's Customs and Immigration Authorities. Many people in Hong Kong protested that move as well, viewing Chinese law to be applicable anywhere in Hong Kong to be a violation of the one country, two systems principle. Moreover, there have been some broad 
broad stroke plans, economic policy plans laid out in the so-called Greater Bay Area Plan, which the central government released earlier this year. Under the Greater Bay Area Plan, what the Beijing government envisages is a very large integrated economic zone between Zhuhai, Macau, Hong Kong, and Shenzhen for economic development. They believe that each of these cities in this greater Bay Area in southern China can specialize and together bring to bear an economic powerhouse that will be unmatched anywhere in the world. Between Shenzhen's manufacturing capabilities, Hong Kong's high-tech and financial capabilities, and other manufacturing capabilities of Zhuhai, uh, the government of China is looking to bring all of these resources together, unify them in a coherent fashion, and, and try to dominate in high-tech, technological development, and manufacturing. And so under this plan, although the details haven't really been released, the objective of the Chinese government is to unify the customs territory to enable the free movement of goods and people in this greater Bay Area. Now, of course, that would also potentially threaten the one country, two system policy that's in place here in Hong Kong. So that is where the connection lies between these protests and international trade. The United States Congress in 1992 passed the United States Hong Kong Policy Act, which guarantees Hong Kong's independent treatment for trade and export control purposes to the extent Hong Kong maintains its independence under the one country, two systems policy. So to the extent that Hong Kong's independent status is infringed upon by the central government in Beijing, the U.S. government may revisit its policy to treat Hong Kong as a separate jurisdiction for trade and export control purposes. In fact, the U.S. State Department conducts an annual review of Hong Kong's status under that United States Hong Kong Policy Act. In its most recent finding, in its most recent report, which was released this, earlier this year, the U.S. State Department concluded, and I quote, the United States continues to have deep economic and cultural interests in Hong Kong. However, during the period covered by this report, which is 2018 to 2019, the Chinese mainland central government implemented or instigated a number of actions that appeared inconsistent with China's commitments under the Basic Law and in the Sino-British Joint Declaration of 1984. As a general matter, Hong Kong maintains a sufficient, although diminished, degree of autonomy under the one country, two systems framework to justify continued special treatment by the United States for bilateral agreements and programs per the Act. Well, if you're reading between the lines, or you don't actually have to read the directly between the lines at all, the, the U.S. State Department and the U.S. government have made it very, very clear that to the extent mainland China's central government continues to implement its policies and take its actions more actively here in Hong Kong, that the U.S. government may revisit its policy with respect to Hong Kong's independence for trade and export control purposes. Okay, you still may be wondering what all this means for trade. Well, under U.S. export control laws, Hong Kong remains a jurisdiction with relatively light, if any, 
individual individually validated export license requirements. So in other words, most dual use items or, or technology, US technology that's, that is within the jurisdiction of the export administration regulations in the United States can be shipped to Hong Kong without a license. However, the same is not true for mainland China. Many of these dual use technology items do in fact require licenses when shipped to mainland China. So, to the extent that Hong Kong is no longer treated as a separate jurisdiction for trade and export control purposes, the U.S. government may now or may soon implement more stringent, stricter, tighter export control license requirements on shipments of dual-use technology to Hong Kong. For those that may not know, Hong Kong is a major re-exportation hub as well. Many of the items being shipped to Hong Kong from the United States are ultimately re-exported to mainland China. And so all of this is to say that the status of Hong Kong as an independent trade and export control jurisdiction may no longer be true in the next review or the review after that if the Beijing central government actions continue as they have been over the last few years. This will have serious implications for multinational high-tech companies information technology manufacturers, distributors, telecom companies, and other resellers. Products coming to Hong Kong for re-export to China will obviously be under tighter controls and, and stricter enforcement. Um, normal or ordinary dual-use technology items will come under greater scrutiny and tighter license controls, and Hong Kong may soon be simply subject to the, the restrictions, the export control restrictions applied to Okay, so we've talked about the protests in Hong Kong. We've even talked about a hypothetical future change in the export control regulatory status of Hong Kong vis-a-vis -vis the United States. What does all this have to do really with trade? Actually, it's core to the U.S.-China trade war. Um, if you're aware, the, the real issue in the U.S.-China trade war is the control over strategic technology. Uh, so the, the government of China has a Made in China 2025 plan which is designed to help China become technologically independent from the United States. And the reason why that's important to China is because of problems that they've had with ZTE and Huawei over the last few years. If you may have heard in the news, both ZTE and Huawei at different times have been added to the entities list by the U.S. Department of Commerce's Bureau of Industry and Security. And what happens when you're added to the entities list is everything you buy which incorporates U.S. technology or is otherwise subject to the jurisdiction of the export administration regulations of the United States will require a license before you can receive it. And all license applications are reviewed with a presumption of denial. So in other words, you completely lose access to U.S. technology or U.S. origin inputs subject to the export administration regulations. If you're a telecom company that still is heavily dependent on U.S. technology inputs, it effectively puts you out of business overnight, which is what happened to ZTE a few years ago before it was granted reprieve and ultimately settled with the U.S. government in that Iran sanctions case. Um, Huawei is still in the middle of its responses to the U.S. government, and high-level talks between Beijing and Washington continue on that particular case, but it underscores what's really happening in the U.S.-China trade war. 
The U.S. government has alleged that the government of China has various policies in place and regulatory schemes in place that are tantamount to the, the government-backed theft of U.S. intellectual property and any attempts by China to become technologically independent on the back of this so-called stolen intellectual property is obviously uh, a threat to the U.S. with respect to uh, the uses to which these strategic dual-use technologies will be, be put and the economic impact of its, it, its uh, usurpation from U.S. technology companies who developed it or own that IP. And so that's really at the core of the U.S.-China trade war. So the, the, the Made in China 2025 plan, which is China's technological independence um, effort, and export control laws really come together at the core of the U.S.-China trade war. And so Hong Kong, as a key player in the future of the Greater Bay Area in southern China for its technology R&D capabilities, could impact uh, obviously, or, or could be impacted heavily by its loss of access uh, without license um, approvals to U.S. origin technology, and it could really fall within uh, some of the, the Section 301 tariff measures and otherwise suffer as a result of uh, the ongoing U.S.-China trade war and any of the, the actions by the central government in, into the everyday governance of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region. So, hopefully, over the last 15 minutes, I've been able to explain to you how protests in Hong Kong really go to the core of the U.S.-China trade war and how they impact trade regulation. So now you know. This is our first episode, or my first episode, in what I hope to be a long-lived series to talk about trade regulation, trade policy, foreign investment, and international relations, and how they impact daily business. I enjoy thinking and talking about these topics. I do this for a living. And I hope that you were able to get something useful out of this episode and think about the news that you're reading in a new way. I hope you join us next time. I hope you join me next time. There's no us, it's just me. <laughs> and, and we can talk about it more. Um, if you have any comments or questions and you want to submit, um, please, please feel free to comment. I hope you're able to subscribe and, and you like this episode and, and you want to hear more uh, from me on these topics.